from the Sports and Recreation Center on the campus of the College of Staten Island. It's time for the Dolphin Pod, the official College of Staten Island Athletics podcast. With your hosts, David Pizzuto. Smith with a wide open Palinkovic to her left. Palinkovic one-on-one against Mike Camp and it's in. Versada Palinkovic from Narmina Brachic all sprung off the little tap in the backfield by Laval. A great one, two, three punch for the Dolphins, and they're up one nothing. And Joseph Foreman. And the 2-2 is hit out to left center. And if that one gets to the wall, this game could be over. Cutting it off is Windsor. It gets away from him. Here comes Miola. The relay throw to the plate. Not in time. And the Dolphins win it in the bottom half of the ninth inning. A walk-off RBI double off the bat of John Pomerico. And the Dolphins win it 2-1. to one. In-depth stories, reviews, and previews, interviews, and so much more. It's all right here. And now for the Dolphin Pod, here are your hosts, Dave and Joe. Welcome to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com, episode 23. We are premiering on Friday, June 12th of 2020. Uh, David Pizzuto here, social distance style alongside Joe Foreman. I'm in my home in South River, New Jersey. Joe, are you in your home in Staten Island? Yes, I am. Right down the block from home base at CSI, hopefully one week closer to returning. Yeah, you said it. Uh, that's definitely something that's weighing on all our our minds. Obviously, the weather's starting to break, starting to get some nice weather. It's good to be outside and uh, miss the fields of, of CSI. Uh, but in the meantime, at least we have the podcast. And um, our featured guest today will be Dr. Robert Jay Dranoff from the uh, East Coast Conference. He is the commissioner, has been the commissioner now for over a decade. And uh, we'll have about 30, 35 minutes with uh, Dr. Dranoff and uh, talking a little bit about the future of CSI athletics with the ECC. And, you know, Joe, I know that when we have these interviews, we can usually go an hour, two or three if we wanted to. It's going to be tough to keep it to 30 minutes with Dr. Dranoff. That's a lot of uh, historical info that he possesses and a lot of uh, questions that we have lined up for him and our future in the East Coast Conference. Absolutely. And you said it, Dave. Every week, it seems like the interviews could just go on and on, especially last week when we got some great stories from Jackie Cartella and Jordan Young about their times as CSI Dolphins. But now we look ahead to our new conference, the East Coast Conference. And I'm sure there are plenty of questions that are viewers would like to hear answered and plenty of questions of our own that we'd like to have answered with Dr. Dranoff. And I'm looking forward to that conversation coming up and should be very educational about what the ECC is doing, not only in their athletic area, but beyond athletics as well. And we know they're focused just like us on giving student athletes the best experience possible. And I know we'll be talking to Dr. Dranoff about that as well. Yeah, definitely. And for those of you who are uh, tuning into us and saw the, I guess the the write-up or the or the preview to today's show, you know that we have a special announcement that we're going to make uh, on this show, of course, as a prelude to our conversation with Dr. Dranoff, kind of unrelated, but uh, very relatable to what we're doing here on the Dolphin Pod. Joe, you have some some news that that you broke to myself and to our athletic director, Charles Gomes. Uh, what's your what's your news? Well, as of last week, I made the very difficult decision. I need to preface with that. It was an incredibly difficult decision for me to make, but I've decided to resign from my position as Assistant Sports Information Director at the College of Staten Island, effective on June 30th. And of course, I owe great thanks to yourself and Charles and plenty of others I've worked with along the way. And can't forget Tom as well, working under him for four years ahead of my time as Assistant SID. But effective uh, June 30th, I'll be resigning from my position as Assistant SID. 
Yeah, and obviously uh, it's something that we obviously talk through for um, for you know almost a week now. And obviously one of the things that, that we'll miss profoundly is is this show, doing it with you. Obviously we have you for the end of the month, which is great. We still have a few shows where we'll kind of celebrate uh, what you've brought to the table as well. And, and uh, I'm really appreciative of that. And obviously uh, just because you're resigning and leaving your post doesn't mean that you'll be far from uh, CSI. And of course, what we're doing, obviously, we'll, we'll stay in touch and connected as much as possible. And uh, I want to publicly thank you here on the podcast for everything that you brought to the table with this. I remember when we first pitched the idea of a podcast, I remember saying, you know, I'm looking for kind of like an equal partner, not somebody who's just going to be a sidekick and ask a few questions, but someone who can really brainstorm what we're doing with the podcast, the direction that we want to go, uh, where we want to take conversations. And you really brought that to the table, a true 50-50 split. And uh, I couldn't be more appreciative of it. And, uh, you know, uh, you'll, you'll be very difficult to replace. So, so Joe, thank you. And I know we're going to continue this conversation next week when we have another special show uh, lined up where we'll get to reminisce a lot more. But uh, publicly and for the record, um, I, I, I do want to extend my thanks, especially here for the Dolphin Pot. Well, I really appreciate that. And calling it a 50-50 split, I think, is very generous <laughs> on your part. But I certainly do appreciate that as well. And I hope to continue following the program as a fan. I certainly will. And maybe you haven't seen or heard the last of me yet on Sportsnet, but that's a conversation for down the line. But I'll definitely be following CSI Athletics as a fan moving forward into the future. For sure, for sure. Very happy to hear that. And of course, uh, one of the things that Joe was a part of for the past year and even before that, uh, you know, when he first came on and was a product of our staff, was getting our our program to move into the direction of Division Two and the East Coast Conference. It doesn't happen without good people and without uh, moving our athletics program into the forefront uh, of what we're doing, you know, locally, regionally, and nationally. Joe is a big part of that. And of course, the byproduct is our entry into the East Coast Conference. So, you know, Joe, you know, you have some musings of, of this move that we've made uh, from Division Three to Division Two, and you were a major part of it for the last year. As we get ready to talk to Dr. Dranoff for the next half hour, what kind of your take is being relatively new to the full-time dynamic of the program and seeing the metamorphosis of our program from a Division Three to a Division Two? Well, I've been a part of many exciting moments throughout the last few years of CSI Athletics. I've seen our teams win CUNYAC championships. I've seen us compete in the NCAA tournament on one occasion in person, which was great. But I'm not sure there was more excitement around our program than there has been recently during this last year with the move to Division II. I know, of course, missing out on the postseason last year and for the next two years as part of the provisional period is tough not only on our athletes, of course, but on our staff as well, because that's often something that I look forward to more than anything else over the course of the athletic season, especially when we had the opportunity to host a few CUNYAC championship events. We hosted soccer one year. We've hosted baseball and softball every year that I've been a part of the team up until this year, of course, there being no baseball or softball season and we would not have been a part of the CUNYAC tournament in that case, regardless if we even did host either of those tournaments. But that being said, the move to Division Two is something that has generated a great deal of buzz and excitement around the department. We now have the chance to offer athletic scholarships as well and even further increase our emphasis on academics, which is already such a key part of our program now, moves even further to the forefront. I saw over the last couple of days swimming and diving, posting some of their team GPAs, men's soccer as well, sharing some of those. So... A lot of positives have come from the move to Division Two, 
We've spoken about many of them on the program already, and we'll speak about more of those with Dr. Dranoff later in the program. Yeah, and I think that's something that, you know, we can't really say enough is that this move to Division Two comes with, you know, a ripple effect that affects our entire program, our coaches, obviously the academic component, the quality of kids, the the scholarship um, you know, the, the, the scholarship implications that come with it, obviously, uh, the buzz surrounding the Dolphin Cove facilities. And, you know, I think we're going to have something like 250% more occupancy in Dolphin Cove next year than we had this, this past year, which is just tremendous on the part of the, re, uh, the recruiting of our coaches and the, you know, the, the peripheral staff that has been a part of that. It's been tremendous, but the only way that's possible, Joe, and, and I say this to a lot of my friends too, is you can't go into Division two, you can't go from a D2 to, to a D1 without a conference sponsorship. And the ECC for, for many years has been connected uh, very closely with the College of Staten Island and obviously with the CUNY itself because of Queens College, obviously in uh, one of the founding members of, of the ECC. Back then it was the uh, New York Collegiate Athletic Conference. And um, so there's been this kinship for a long time. And the folks at the ECC, and there aren't many of them that are there. I mean, obviously, Dr. Dranoff is the is the head of the team, but Melissa and, and Casey there, they have been lockstep with CSI this entire way, uh, nurturing our staff, nurturing our administration, really getting us uh, fully prepared. And at times where we've been kind of scared for lack of a better word they've been there to offer some great guidance some some tremendous leadership and uh, I'm so grateful that Dr. Dranoff is going to join us at the t- you know on the reverse end of this break because um, it's really without that part playing a part uh, this doesn't happen and so it's very easy for people to lose sight of the fact that there's somebody at the other end of this table that's really walked us through this and uh, those folks have been great and we're looking so forward to working more with them and and it, it makes me giddy to talk to someone like Dr. Dranoff. Well I remember when I first started full-time last year one of the first meetings I sat in on was with the upper administration from the ECC I remember thinking to myself as they went through all of the relevant information to our coaches and our administrators that I don't envy them having to keep all of this in mind when recruiting and moving forward through the process when it comes to compliance and all those other issues that do arise with the move from Division Three to Division Two. And I remember sitting there once again, very thankful that all that information wasn't on me to soak in at the moment because that was my very first exposure to the new conference and the people up at the top, Dr. Dranoff, of course, being one of them. And that was a lot of information to take in, but I've learned a lot from them over this last year and from our coaches and staff as well as we've gone through this process. We're through now year one of three of the provisional period, two more years to go. And I look forward to seeing where the program continues to progress to. And when the move to Division Two full-time begins this year with ECC competition, I'm certain that's something that's not only going to excite our athletes and our staff, but the fans of the CSI Dolphins as well. We should see some more great Division II competition this upcoming year. And we got some wins under our belt against Division II programs last season. So the Dolphins certainly have a bright future ahead of them, and I look forward to it. For sure. And uh, obviously, if you've uh, kept along with CSIDolphins.com, you know that we previewed uh, the ECC as a conference at the top of this week, uh, giving you a little bit more familiarity with the history and, of course, the teams that have entered and exited throughout the year. CSI now joins that and we get uh, more of an introspective look on that conference uh, coming up. So what we're going to do, Joe and I, we will take a break. When we come back, we will get Dr. Dranoff on the line. We'll be speaking to ECC Commissioner Dr. Robert Dranoff 
at the end of this break. Stay with us. This is episode 23 of the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. You're listening to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. Champions know how to seize opportunities. When they see moments of greatness unfold right before their eyes, they push as hard as they possibly can. And then they push harder. Because the heart of a champion never settles, never quits, and never stops giving its all. We are champions. We are Division II. We go big, we give it everything we've got, and we win on the field, on our campuses, in our communities, for our causes, in our careers. We rise to become champions in everything we do. We are Division II and there are no limits here. We make our time count. We set our own path. We become champions on our terms. It's time to up your game because we're here to play and learn. But most importantly, we're here to discover ourselves, our vision, our heart, our drive to achieve every goal we aim for because we want to be champions at the highest level, life. At Division Two, the opportunities are here. Are you ready? Welcome back to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. And welcome back to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. This is episode 23. We are premiering on Friday, June 12th of 2020. And uh, now is is time for the featured part of our podcast. Joe and I are being joined by Dr. Robert J. Dranoff, the commissioner of the East Coast Conference. Uh, Dr. Dranoff, thank you for, uh, for joining us today. It is my pleasure to be with you both. Excellent. And I know uh, that you're running around from virtual meeting to virtual meeting, and I know our time <laughs> is limited. But, um, you know, I was telling Joe in the in the preamble that sometimes these conversations can go hours and hours because there's so much to talk about and so much so much insight you could give us. But I guess we'll start first and foremost by introducing you to our audience. And, you know, you've been at the ECC now for, for over a decade, but you've been in sports for a long time and really at a lot of different and diverse stops, Division Three, Division Two, Division One, uh, junior college, and now the commissioner of uh, a Division Two, you know, conference. Can you tell us about the the kind of uh, trajectory of your career and and now that you've been at the ECC for such a long time, how that has treated you? Uh, yeah, um, I'm not happy that it's it's that long, but. Uh, <laughs> At this point in my life, but uh, it has been a, a long time. I, I, I'm uh, in college athletics for over 40 years now. Um, you know, I got really lucky. I, uh, I'm a graduate of St. John's University. I was in one of the first ever uh, sport management uh, majors that uh, a college or university was giving in the country uh, way back when. And um, uh, I was lucky enough to be offered a job right out of uh, college or pretty much right out of college at my alma mater at St. John's. And I started there. I was an assistant AD for uh, seven years. Um, an amazing time uh, working for wonderful people and um, uh, just an exciting uh, period in the history of St. John's. It was during their final four run. Mm-hmm. I was there during the days of Chris Mullen and 
Mark Jackson and Bill Wennington and, and, and Walter Perry and that group. And, um, uh, had an office right next to coach Kanaseka for a good part of my career. And it was, um, it, it was wonderful. And, and I, um, uh, after leaving there, um, and my role as assistant AD, I, I handle uh, a lot of the compliance, the academic support, and and uh, uh, various sport administration. Uh, I leaving there, I, I I was in the sporting goods business for a while. Um, got out of that and became an athletic director at a Division three school on Long Island, um, uh, SUNY Old Westbury. Um, from there, I uh, moved to. I uh, spent several years, 12 years, at in Division II at Dowling College, uh, which I like to say is no longer in existence, but um, I had nothing to do with their demise. <laughs> I was well gone by the time they uh, uh, closed shop. But um, left there to, to uh, I had, uh, was finishing up my doctorate in education and left there to take a job um, at uh, Suffolk Community College out on Long Island and uh, was a was uh, athletic director and, and assistant dean of student services out there for a few years and then was asked to return um, to the conference that I had spent so much time in at Dowling. It, back, uh, it had just moved from being called the New York Collegiate Athletic Conference, the NICAC, to uh, being renamed as the East Coast Conference. And um, I, uh, what I thought would be a, a couple of years of, of coming in and trying to help um, uh, solve a few problems uh, with membership and funding and things like that. Um, I have been here since. And, and um, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, and I, this may uh, be attributed to my uh, old age at this point, um, but I, I'm, I, it's either 12 or 13 years. I, I, I sometimes forget what year I began. That, that doesn't sound great, but, uh, <laughs> but it's, uh, but you said over a decade, so I'll go with that. And, and, um, it's, uh, you know, this, uh, I, I did a lot of, um, I spent a lot of time at, at Dowling in, in working with the conference in various roles. And, and, uh, when they asked me to come back and try and, and help lead it, I, uh, it was one of those things that I really just couldn't say no. I, I, I owe a lot to the, to the conference and a lot of the people that I, I knew through the conference. And, uh, I've been here ever since. And, um, and uh, we're we're trying to at this point we're we're trying to yeah, keep going, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, you know I'm really grateful that 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 you mentioned you know the the parameters under which you came to the ECC because it was something I was going to ask was was regarding it seemed like membership was a little bit in flux during that time it was it was 2008 and I think over the course of just a couple of years the membership in the conference had gone from 13 schools to eight schools um you know for 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 diverse reasons you know southampton uh folds their program dowling um you know many years later and and a couple of other uh a couple other defections so when you came on board to the ecc was it with that pointed task of trying to improve membership yes um that really was one of the specific um uh, specific things that they were looking at uh, from me. You know, it's interesting. You you hit on it. When I left, uh, Dave, it was 13 schools. Um, uh, it was, it, as you mentioned, there was a closing, um, a couple of defections mm-hmm. to other uh, conferences in the region. And um, all of a sudden, we uh, the year I came in, we were in the process of losing Delphi to the Northeast and Concordia to the 
central Atlantic. And so we were shrinking to eight. Um, so a lot of my energy in those early years and, and even continuing has been regarding membership. Um, um, you know, that's a, that's a, an interesting, uh, situation. I, when it comes to conference membership years ago, conferences were not as important necessarily as, as they are today. Um, uh, you know, many years ago, access to postseason. Uh, there, there were various uh, sports-specific smaller conferences around that maybe you play in baseball in one, mm-hmm. and then be in a different conference for basketball, that kind of thing. But um, you know, over the years, uh, within the NCAA structure, conference uh, conference affiliation became much more important. Um, and eight is is too small, um, and uh, just. Uh, to get games for schools and, and uh, be able to compete. Um, uh, and so we uh, worked pretty hard over those early years. And uh, it was a, it was a time where um, the NAIA was still an organization that had pretty good membership in the Northeast. Um, and, but they were transitioning. A lot of the schools in the NAIA had moved over to the NCAA in division two, seemed to be the, the right level for them because most of them were giving athletic aid, but they weren't big enough to be Division One schools. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, two schools in western New York, uh, Damon and Roberts, both w- had planned to uh, move to, um, to Division Two, and uh, they uh, w- we found them to be good fits uh, as we expanded our conference, which went from probably the most closely located conference um, in terms of membership in, in all of Division II, uh, you know, at one point it was predominantly a, a New York metro area and Long Island right. conference. And then all of a sudden, first we added uh, District of Columbia uh, as they moved from independent status to a conference and then the schools in Western New York. So then we were we were riding high with uh, 11 members and then Dowling College closed and we're back to 10. And then uh, LIU Post uh, consolidated their program and, and uh, they left Division Two and uh, only, uh, you know, they decided to only be at Division One, and we we're right back uh, to nine again. <laughs> so it's a, it's a it's an ever changing uh, situation, and we got extremely lucky in terms of our timing and um, the interest of uh, your institution, uh, Staten Island, that uh, had been working on the concept of a of a transition to Division Two, and so. Um, you know, we felt we were the right, uh, fit for them. And, and, uh, that, uh, obviously the college felt that way. And, and so that, that's kind of how membership works. You know, if you were to ask me what the perfect size of a conference is, I would probably tell you 10 members is great. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just for scheduling, you know, setting up schedules and competition and, 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 uh, you know, running programs and things like that. However, in a, in a region where um, the other two conferences, uh, the NE10 and the CACC, both have 14 or 15 members, um, there's also value in, in, in trying to identify potential new members that could continue to keep us whole. One of the things you mentioned when you returned to the ECC as commissioner in June 2008, first on the agenda was getting adequate membership, but Something else that's happened since you took over was the increased sponsorship of championship events across several sports. Where did that rank on the agenda, and what was the decision-making process behind adding some of those new championships? 
Yeah, it's a that's a, a, a good question, Joe. It, it some of it happened um, by design, and some of it really was kind of organically um, as sports grew and opportunities were presented to us. When I when I first came in there, we had, uh, for example, men's and women's lacrosse were two sports that were um, uh, we were pretty well known for in, in those days with a lot of success, but. Um, the decision had been made not to do a postseason tournament for either of those uh, sports where they were um, people felt there was enough competition and not the need for that event. But I think we were able to come to the conclusion with those sports as well as men's and women's soccer. Actually, we didn't do postseason events. Um, but the feeling was that the, that that would add to the student athlete experience and the excitement. And, and so we initiated those and that's, those have proven to be, um, well, important sports for us. We've had tons of success in both the men and women uh, uh, soccer during the time we're in there with a national championship in both of those, and as well as in men's and women's lacrosse. Um, the uh, expansion with track and field was something that when I years ago when I was in the conference, we did have uh, outdoor track and field championships, and then um, what, what sometimes happens is uh, schools will make decisions to drop sports for various reasons. And uh, we had schools that did choose not to continue in, in the sport track and field. And so hosting a championship really wasn't, um, you know, it had fallen by the wayside. Um, one of the things that we looked at as uh, if we weren't going to grow in with full membership, we knew that there were opportunities for schools that might be interested in affiliate, affiliating with us as associate members. So, uh, for example, um, uh, indoor track and field um, is a sport where we've had, we have several associate members from the Central Atlantic that does not have indoor track, and those schools saw value in, in affiliating with us. I think there was a great interest. We're in maybe one of the finest facilities, as, as you guys know, finest facilities in, in, in the uh, Northeast, if not the country, at, at Ocean Breeze. And we were able to get access uh, to that facility for our indoor track. So there's there's been interest in it. So we were able to grow sports like that. Um, um, the two newest championships that we have uh, that have been around now, well, at least uh, for a few years, is, is bowling, women's bowling. Um, you know, that, that's where I talk about it being organic. We had uh, two or three schools with an interest that that had programs or were. Uh, starting programs we i was contacted by a couple of other coaches that had no conference but offered the sport one in the pennsylvania conference and 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 a couple in the northeast 10 so we put it together and now we have the largest bowling conference in the country of any division um we have 14 members and um uh that's an interesting sport <laughs> for a lot of reasons but it's become a really popular sport for us and you know we're proud that we're able to provide these uh, these opportunities for the women that do compete in that and then our newest um, championship has been esports um, which is not an NCA sport but is um, uh, we've grown that uh, we started uh, last year with uh, with six teams we we're up to eight this year we treat esports uh, we play three games during the year uh, and we treat it like we do all our other other sports with offering competition and championship events and, and um, 
that was the only spring championship we were able to pull off. Mm. It, is, uh, it was in League of Legends this past year uh, with uh, Dame College winning that championship. So, um, you know, so that's, uh, that adds a little bit of notoriety for us. It brings a little bit of tension, and, and, but also we, all, we do see that as part of our mission in, in providing those kind of opportunities for all the students within a, uh, within a college. And you mentioned something there that Dave and I mentioned during the Open to our show, and that's how important of a part championship events are to the student-athlete experience. But being a student-athlete in the East Coast Conference, their experience involves far much more than what takes place on the court or on the field or wherever it is that our athletes are competing. What are some of the other programs that enhance the student-athlete experience in the ECC? Um, you know, I, you, you are, you are, I think that... Um, one of the things that I felt was sorry, uh, one of the things that I felt was really important when I took this job all those years ago um, was that it, it wasn't just going to be about athletics. You know, I felt that my background coming from those days where I was at St. John's was always uh, really a student-centered a student philosophy of trying to help um, provide that whole student um opportunity and so uh we have uh over the years tried to offer various types of programs uh and focus on uh service activities uh fundraising for various causes um we do an annual uh, leadership program um and over the last few years we've done we've uh, we had started that right from the beginning where uh, student athlete representatives from each school would come in. We do a weekend of programming with them on leadership and other important uh, personal development issues, a community service aspect to it, a networking piece and a, and a social piece. And, and um, that's been a very important program for us. As the last few years, we've done it in conjunction with the Central Atlanta Conference. So we're bringing together you know, 50 plus students over a weekend uh, a few of the women from uh, csi uh, participated this past year um we have affiliations with two different groups that we uh, programming with and fundraising efforts um uh the uh the team impact is a, a big uh program we we've um our conference has over the last few years been looked at as a um uh as one of the first conferences to partner with them and provide opportunities, learning opportunities. Um, you know, so those are all big causes that um, that we uh, that we think are positive. But I'll tell you, every school that's a member of our uh, our conference is really very active in, in service activities. It's an important part of their student athlete advisory committee, and team by team, they they're all involved. Um, you know, um, I'll tell you, last night. We um, had quickly put together uh, a program that we thought was going that we felt would be really important um, as we uh, look at the events over the last um, the last couple of weeks uh, regarding the the, uh, the killings and the the social um, inequality that uh, folks are protesting against the uh, call for. Um, social justice and and um and we did a town hall an online town hall last night uh on racism we brought we uh featured six uh speakers 
I came from various uh, areas. Three uh, uh, ADs, a, a coach, and uh, three alumni um, to educate and try to help bring people together. Um, and if that's the uh, if if there's one thing uh, that I could point to in the years that I've been involved with this conference, that that I'm I'm the most proud of is, is those efforts. You know that we can do to give back to the student athletes to help them grow. Last night was an example. We, we hope to take that uh, another step and, and talk. Uh, we talked about racism and social injustice last night. And what we'd really like to focus on in a future program um, that we're planning already is um, next steps that students can take. And, and we hope to have uh, you know some of our students really be active in this uh, program uh, next time we do it. You know, one of the things that you mentioned, you know, obviously was was the the schools in your conference being a good fit or or having that that fit be be kind of whole on both ends. You know, having a yeah. you know a school be a good fit with the conference, having the conference be a good fit with the school, and obviously when you bring in the student athlete experience part, that adds a whole nother dynamic. For the folks who listen to our podcast, who are familiar with CSI Athletics, who don't know really what the ECC has been about or what it stands for, what it what is that fit? What does the ECC ultimately want from its members uh, in order to be a part of its of its conference in whole? In other words, you know, what is this conference? Do you feel it primarily stands for, and what it is that CSI is 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 joining into? Yeah. Um, well. You know, the conference holds uh, a few different uh, purposes, uh, I think. Um, one is to provide regular season play in sports that a, that a school sponsors, um, uh, to provide championship opportunities and, and recognition for awards and, and access to postseason if, if they qualify. Um, we think that um, the chance to promote the achievements of student athletes is significant and, and be able to do it on a conference level, whether it's through awards or, um, uh, you know, promotion and publicity, you know, that is, is maybe outside of what the campus is doing. That That's a big part for us. And that, that involves our website and, and streaming of um, uh, using our ECC network and streaming of games, especially championship events. And, and so all those things are, are part of what we do. Um, the other aspect that, that we just talked about in terms of service activities and, and personal growth, in ways that we could supplement what the individual schools uh, take responsibility for, we think is is valuable. We believe we have light, very like-minded leadership and, and, and institutions that, that will support each other. Um, the, uh, you know, it was interesting, um, when we first started talking ESI, uh, to athletic director Charles Gomes and, and president uh, Bill Fritz, I think, um, y- you know, uh, I did, there was no convincing for me because I was already convinced that it would be an amazing fit for our conference in terms of how uh, programs are run and uh, funded and uh, that um, the leadership feels is important, that, you know, they have a commitment to uh, to athletics is not a, a difficult uh, choice. I, I don't think by any of our athletic directors to support as well as our our leadership. So, so you were choppy at the end there, but I know that one of the things that you alluded to 
is is obviously you know the hopes after you know that this spring hasn't really helped the situation but you know you'd hope that Staten Island has has made this matriculation and and now most recently obviously Duval College from from up in Buffalo is is another uh, transitioning division 3 program as far as what the conference wants to see from schools like Staten Island and Duval coming in uh, regarding the provisional process, I mean, there are certain thresholds that CSI is looking to meet year one, year two, and year three competitively, and of course, off the field of play as well. But as a conference commissioner, what kind of steps are you hoping that s- schools like Staten Island and Duval are taking in a positive direction so that after the three-year provisional cycle, they're in full matriculation and, and really operating on all cylinders? Well, uh, you know, we do not have as a conference specific requirements other than what the NCA requires for what a uh, a school wishes to do when it comes to athletic aid uh, levels or, um, you know, what they want to do with their staffing and, and things like that, or, or even scheduling, as long as they're meeting the requirements. However, what I would tell you is that what we are looking for is a... Uh, is a continued development in how the programs uh, are run. Uh, the uh, level of, of competitiveness is, is important for us. Um, what ends up happening within um, uh, just a, a quick view with, within in division two, we have automatic qualifiers in, in most of our sports. And so the team that wins the conference has the opportunity to move on to the NCAA regionals. But we're always hoping that other schools get that opportunity to participate as well. And and having competitive teams throughout makes the schedule uh, more valuable for the conference, gives a, a more competitive uh, opportunity for the students. So where we see, what we would love to see is schools that continue to grow in terms of their commitment level, that they uh, become uh, more competitive. Um, really important is that they provide a good, environment when schools are visiting um them and that they are um, uh that run well and and um and those are things that you know i think that every program every leader of a program uh athletic directors and other administrators want to want to see out of their programs as well so um you know it's a, a besides my role as commissioner here i also happen to be the the uh, management council representative for uh, for our conference, and, and one of my roles within there is I also serve on the membership committee. Um, so uh, I, I can't influence uh, what's going to happen over the next couple of years for either CSI or for Duville as they Duville has has applied. They'll hear in uh, July mm-hmm. what their status is in, in going into the D uh, two process, just like CSI learned last year, but. Um, you know, I, I will tell you that my, all my observations from looking at reports and just speaking to uh, folks on the campuses, um, we we lucked out. These this is these are both programs that are committed to the to the process. They they see the value in Division Two. Um, you know, I, I know that for Staten Island, part of that decision was um, to be in Division Two might be able to uh, uh, help grow. Uh, the the number of students that they could bring you could bring to campus yeah. um, in, in large rosters through athletic uh, perhaps play at a higher level athletically um, 
and uh, and and do Youville have a similar has a similar uh, concept? They want to be able to expand their reach for student athletes, and they see uh, the ability to give scholarship and, and grow programs as important. Do Youville it becomes a good uh, opportunity for us too? Is that it's expanding our growth in in that area of the state of New York, which. Um, uh, provides other opportunities for the two existing schools, but also, I think, uh, recruiting help to the downstate schools who may wish to start recruiting from those areas, too. So um, we are, uh, you know, the bottom line is we're looking for growth all the time and, and commitment. And, you know, um, guys, this is these are not easy times, obviously, for any schools, you know, um, whether we talk about the impact of COVID on enrollment or uh, and, and subsequently budgets and, um, uh, and operations and things like that, these are going to be difficult. So I think schools are looking for opportunities, uh, all along the way. And so this, uh, um, we're hoping that D2 is provides that kind of opportunity. And I know our time's running short, Dr. John officer. One last quick question for me. Of course, a lot of uncertainty right now around athletics following the pandemic and in the midst of the pandemic. What are some of the, some of the conversations that need to happen? before we learn anything about the status this upcoming season? Yeah. Um, well, I will honestly tell you that at this point of the year, I, I could uh, definitely say I, I am putting in much more time than usual <laughs> than usual after. You know, at this point, we've finished playoffs and we're kind of coasting into the next year. There are, there are it's, a, it's a moving target, um, I, I, I think. And, and a lot of it is going to have to do with what schools can do. Um, what schools are told they can do and regarding reopening and uh, bringing students back to campus. Um, my feeling is, is that um, there had been a lot of discussion about, I mean, the discussions were ranging from uh, canceling all full sports to delaying them significantly. Um, there have already been decisions made on uh, allowing schools to reduce the minimum number of games they can play to better fit in with um, their own uh, limitations. Um, my feeling is at this point, we're looking at that dates probably won't change a lot. Uh, uh, contests will probably be able to start on time. Uh, then it'll just be a matter of what schools can do um, to fit in for the fall. We're crossing our fingers that fall might be difficult uh, perhaps winter sports will be a little easier um and then hopefully we move into the spring and maybe we're just uh, uh we're getting back to a little bit of normal uh, the the caveat on all that is if we do see further issues with covid that um impact schools um we could see schools making decisions that they can't compete this year and then we will try to move uh, forward as a conference with schools that that can participate. And, um, so all, all said, I, I would, I would tell you that I think the attitude has to be cooperation, flexibility, and, um, we'll all just try to do our best and, and cross our fingers that next year will be, will be easier. Um, but we'll, we'll do our best in, in making it a quality experience as we move into the, move into the fall. And Dr. Janoff, over 40 years of experience, this is, this is definitely a first for you as well, right? Uh, dealing with something like the pandemic and its effect on the national sporting scene, even even professional sports, it's it's kind of been unprecedented. Probably not since you know the last World War have we seen kind of stoppages like we've seen now. 
Yeah, and I said I'm old, but I'm not that old. You know? <laughs> that's that's so, my point, yeah. Uh, uh... <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you know, I, I said to somebody, um, this this is stuff that nobody taught me in commissioner school. Mm-hmm. There was no commissioner school. But, <laughs> uh, but you know, no, th- these are, these are we're, a lot of this is from the seat of our pants. And, and but what I think it points out is, um, and I've learned through my uh, commissioner colleagues, through people on the management council I work with, um, um in, in, in speaking on a regular basis with our ADs and other folks, uh, our athletic trainers, um, you know, we got a strong group of really smart, qualified, qualified people who I think uh, are willing to look at the big picture here and do what's best to keep students safe. Um, and that's really ultimately what we have to do. Uh, you know, um, wins and losses are, are, uh, you know, that's significant. Um, but, um, and championships, uh, are too. But ultimately, um, we got to do the right thing. Every school has to do the right thing for what's best for the student athletes, for the coaches, for you know the staff that support them. And and that's you know, that's the tact we got to take. Definitely. And I know uh, speaking to Charles, you know, obviously offline, and you know, we always make mention of how important it is to have great leadership at times like this. And uh, you know, we can't say it enough, Dr. Jennifer. We really appreciate the leadership that the ECC has shown us over this past year. The nurturing process that you and Melissa and Casey have offered to us has been uh, you know, unquestionable and it's been a real um, it's been a real eye opener, this experience for us, but it's made so much easier, um, you know, by, uh, by the likes of, you know, who we have working with us as colleagues in the ECC from the in- individual institutions. And of course, uh, in the ECC conference with yourself, you know, Casey and Melissa. So we want to thank you, um, you know, for all the help you've given us. And, um, I hope that when we are back together, you can join us again on this podcast to have a more fleshed out conversation on what some of the new and interesting things that are going on with the ECC. I know we had a bad connection for a couple of minutes, but the magic of editing hopefully will, will, you know, uh, get that, get that above board, but we really thank you for the time. We know that your time is limited and, uh, uh, this perspective has been great for us. Well, 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 I appreciate the kind words. Um, Staten Island is going to, is already, and is going to continue to be a great member of this conference. And, uh, we, I, I'm just so impressed with the, the folks I've met there and, and their commitment. And, and, uh, yeah, and you, uh, uh, anytime, whether it's by phone or hopefully even, even in person next time, we will, uh, it, it would be my pleasure to uh, continue talking to, uh, to both you guys. It, it's, I really enjoyed it. Awesome. We'll take you up on that. And for now, what Joe and I will do is we'll take it to break. When we come back, we will wrap up this edition of the podcast, episode 23, uh, here on the Dolphin Pod on CSIDolphins.com. Stay with us, everyone. You're listening to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. In NCAA Division II, student-athletes leave a lasting impression on their communities. That's because Division II student-athletes want to make a difference and truly be part of their surrounding communities. Through community engagement, thousands of student-athletes from various backgrounds interact with community members who view them as role models. This interaction leaves a positive and perhaps even life-changing impression on all those involved. In Division Two, we rise to the opportunity and make community engagement ours. Welcome back to the Dolphin Pod right here on CSIDolphins.com. And welcome back to the Dolphin Pod. You just heard our conversation with Dr. Robert J. Dranoff, Commissioner of the East Coast Conference. Part of our look ahead to our membership in the ECC beginning 
last year, but full-time this year, we were accepted to the ECC alongside our move to NCAA Division II announced last summer, and we will begin a full ECC schedule for the first time this upcoming season. Our conversation with Dr. Dranoff really shed some light on what to expect in our new conference and many things we have to look forward to in the coming years. Yeah, Joe, I think you said it best. Uh, you know, this this COVID stuff and and the pandemic and the the cancellation of the spring has put a real, you know, wet blanket on on athletics. But I think when you're when you're able to kind of you know lift the covers a little bit and see what's ahead, um, it, it's pretty exciting times. I mean, the Dolphins are are transitioning into the East Coast Conference now, year two of a three year provisional period, but the first year really uh, fully embedded in Division Two, and that's exciting. No matter when the fall season starts and it will at some point you know this this dark cloud will will pass it might not pass in august or september or october but it will at some point and when it does the sky's clear and we're we're a full part of the ecc and that's exciting stuff obviously all of this is ncaa uh you know permitting they have to sign off on all of our year one you know transitional items that we had to submit but we're hopeful i mean i think that um you know dr dranoff alluded to that as well that you know he feels we're well positioned uh, for this. Same thing with the Uval. So, um, you know, it's it's exciting times. I know our coaches are excited. I know our administrators are excited. And I know sometimes that requires peeling back this ugly layer that we're under right now. But I think when we get that opportunity, I think it's it's really it's really going to be something special. And to hear Dr. Dranoff talk about the whole student athlete experience and uh, getting kids ready for that next world that they're going to be transitioning to. Uh, they're going to come out four years uh, the better as as athletes and as people. That's exciting stuff. I know that's invigorating stuff, and it's nice to hear it um, straight from the captain's mouth and Dr. Dranoff, our our new commissioner. And something else we heard from him, and and a quote that I read from his bio on the ECC website is how focused the conference is on the student athlete experience, and that coincides with everything that we hope to achieve at CSI Athletics, making the four years our student athletes spend at the College of Staten Island, four of the best years of their lives and giving them a great experience as well. I know that's our focus as a sports information department and as an athletic department as a whole. So it's great to hear that, though. Sometimes it's taken for granted. It's good to hear that come directly from the commissioner's mouth as well. And something else I took away was that it seems he had quite a bit of optimism regarding the fall. It seems as if, as of right now, things are looking good, but you never know what can happen in the coming months. So I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I think it's good to take away some optimism from the end of our conversation with Dr. Dranoff as well. We've heard so much negative news recently that it's good to hear that in regards to the athletic season upcoming this fall, that there appears to be a great deal of optimism and promise surrounding that. So we'll see if that comes to fruition. And I know our coaches, as you mentioned, our administrators, and of course, our student athletes looking forward to returning to the field of competition and getting underway this upcoming season. So hopefully that happens. And the developments remain positive moving forward in the coming weeks. Yeah, I agree with that sentiment uh, for sure. I think, you know, uh, week to week, the feelings kind of change on what's happening on campuses. And, you know, you you see the national landscape, more and more things are opening. But at the same time, more and more schools are, are you know, undergoing more of an online or a hybrid experience. So what does that mean for athletics? So there's still a lot of a lot of real question marks out there. But, um, you know, I was reading something online a couple of days ago about the fact that, you know, we, we, we as a society, you know, we sometimes have to think about 
um, you know, what good there is uh, going on, you know, and that is the fact that we're, we're still here. We're living and breathing. Joe, you and I get to experience this once a week and and talk to fascinating people who have fascinating stories. And, you know, it, it may not be tomorrow. It may not be next month. It may not even be next year. But, um, you know, this too will pass and there will be athletics again. You could be sure of it. Um, one of the things that it's funny, I'll, I'll digress for just a moment. Um, I teach a sports uh, management class that you were a part of at CSI. And one of my first lectures is talking about how, despite everything, world pandemics, uh, world wars, presidential assassinations, sports is always there to carry that torch. And it, torch. It's an industry that never fails. It always it, you know, it's, it, it lasts, you know, it, it, it makes money during times like this. And, and here I am thinking, man, how am I going to spin this now? Because the sports landscape just stopped, uh, with response to COVID, but you are starting to see it now where our sports leaders and the sports leagues are starting to set the tone for a comeback of saying that we're, we're starting small. We're doing this. We're not having fans at games. And more and more now you see people kind of adopting that lead. They're sticking their toe back in the water. They're, they're talking about, you know, social distancing guidelines as a, a national norm now going, going forward. So sports is kind of leading that discussion. And again, it's not the only leader, leader, uh, in that discussion, but it's kind of nice to see that happening again. And the NCAA and, and those amateur sports will, uh, you know, come about in other ways. We don't have the kind of resources that professional leagues have, obviously. Um, but you know, slow, but sure we'll, we'll get on that board now. And, and again, this too will pass and sports will indeed, I'm going to hold it myself to it. It will flourish. It will get better in the wake of this dark time. And, uh, I think Dr. Dranoff supports that. And uh, obviously, uh, you know, history has told us that. Well, I always joke about it. Your classroom lectures are the best part of the sports management class. Textbook a bit dry, but the lectures <laughs> were always great. And this COVID-19 pandemic should make for a very interesting discussion when sports management returns to the College of Staten Island this upcoming semester, whether that discussion takes place online or in person remains to be seen. But we'll see how that situation unfolds moving forward in the coming weeks. And here on the podcast in the coming weeks, we will have some CSI Sportsnet Top 10s and some Flashback Fridays to look at. So we'll get a chance to really to look back at this past season and some of the top Sportsnet broadcasts and top events from throughout the year, whether it was a Sportsnet event or something else related to our move to Division Two. Plenty to talk about in the coming weeks. And something you did mention was us not having the same resources as professional sports teams. But something we do have is this platform alongside our CSI Sportsnet platform. And whatever the situation is regarding fans in attendance for our events this upcoming season, we will do everything we can to bring all of the action to you on CSI Sportsnet while continuing to provide our weekly content, such as the Dolphin Pod and much more throughout the coming weeks. And I know you'll be on top of it throughout the year as well. So on next week's show, we will be taking a look back at this past season. We'll take a look at some of our Sportsnet top tens or preface that as we get set to debut that series online. And in the week following, we will have Flashback Fridays debuting. So plenty to talk about in the upcoming weeks. You can catch that on the Dolphin Pod at CSIDolphins.com backslash podcast every Friday. This is Joe Foreman alongside David Pizzuto from both of us. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Dolphin Pod. You've been listening to The Dolphin Pod. Remember to check us out next week when we bring you a brand new show. And check out our archive broadcast throughout the year. 
If you have questions, comments, would like to be booked on the show, or have an idea for a show guest, be sure to leave us feedback. As well as catch all of our shows right here at CSIDolphins.com backslash podcasts. From all of us here at the College of Staten Island, thank you for listening to The Dolphin Pod.